in many ways, you could say that Jesus' arrival was not really expected by anyone. No one saw this coming. Uh, And we're going to start with uh, Mary in this narrative this morning and just sort of look at the news, the unexpected news as it arrives to Mary and then to Joseph. And we're going to compare that also with the same news arriving uh, to the person of Herod. And so we're going to jump around to a few different passages in Luke and Matthew Uh, But that's kind of where I'm hoping we can go uh, this morning and throughout the series, just taking a look at this sort of unexpected nature of the coming of Christ and this unexpected news as it arrives for the first time on earth. So beginning in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through, I think I'm going to read 38, even though I miswrote that there. So here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And now uh, the news arriving to Joseph as recorded in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now let's jump forward a little bit and take a look at another biblical figure, uh, Herod the Great, King Herod the Great. Um, and uh, his 
the arrival of this news to Herod. And just for the sake of space, I had to edit out a few of the parts of this, but I think we're just going to touch on a couple of high points, and you'll see where we're going with this in a minute, I hope. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is so it is written by the prophet. Skipping to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Great guy. Um, you know, Christmas as a kid was always awesome, right? And that moment when you come down the hallway and there everything is and, um, you know, and hopefully you don't see one thing that's for your brother and think it's for you because that creates an awkward moment, right? Um, but, uh, we always, we always read the Christmas story. My mom did a good job of making sure we all knew what Christmas was about. And, and yet, um, for most of my childhood, if not all of it, well, that's arguable whether my wife would say I'm still in my childhood, um, I, I like to say it's never too late to have a happy childhood. So feel free. Go right ahead. Um, but for most, if not all, of my childhood, Christmas was about me. It wasn't really about Jesus. And I don't think I ever really stopped to think about the, the magnitude of this event in history that God himself would become human and be born as one of us, live, grow up, do all the things that humans do, and then having fulfilled perfectly the laws of God, laid that down to relieve the, the pressure of sin from us. I never really stopped to consider the absolute power of this moment in history. And so later when Christ became real to me in my life and, and these stories were something other than, I guess, you know, the stories we read at Christmas, there was a, there was a great deal of the unexpected in, in my encounters and my engagement with this truth, this, this thing that happened. And I want to take us into that sort of unexpected side of Christmas to take a look at this news that came and how these 
individuals responded and really how we are to respond as God's children to the news of the coming of his son. So let's, uh, let's just start with a quick summary of the news. We're, we're to hear this news. Um, God doesn't send angels to play ping pong with us, right? Their job is to deliver the word of God, to deliver his word, to bring it to bear in our, in our world. And so there's, there's news, there's something that's being conveyed in these encounters that is of significance. So let's take a look at that. Um, the, the first point of news is pretty simple. Mary is pregnant. Okay? Um, Mary gets this news. Joseph gets this news. Uh, just You get this, right? We're, there's, there's, there's like, you want to do it this way. You want to do like, you want to, ha- you want to get engaged, you want to get married, and then you want to have a kid, right? We all, we kind of understand. It doesn't always happen that way, and that's okay. It's not, it's not the end of the world, right? Um, but that's kind of, and when it doesn't happen that way, it, it, it brings kind of uh, a whole flood. Of, of thoughts and feelings and fears and insecurities. And we'll look at those in a minute. But Mary is pregnant, and she's only engaged, okay? Um, this is a big deal. It's a big deal to Mary. It's a big deal to Joseph. It's a big deal to their families. It's a big deal to their community. It's a big deal. Uh, next point of news God is sending his son into the world. Again, this is kind of a big deal. That God, who has eternally existed uh, spiritually, and though he he created the physical world, uh, has never had a physical existence up until this point where he manifests himself in Mary's womb. And God becomes one of us. Um, Really astounding shift in the history of redemption. And the angel points that out. This is a big deal. This son that God is sending will also be an eternal king. You know, this harkens back to Old Testament prophecy. God had promised King David on several occasions uh, that, well, his, his throne would endure for eternity. And so this promise that was uttered to King David a thousand years prior to this is now uttered to Mary. Um, and we see that this son of God is also going to reign eternally as king over God's people and that God simultaneously is sending a savior. So the king is also God's son who is also our savior, our our servant. And and so there's this sort of triple 
complexity to what uh, the angels are telling God's people is about to happen. How do I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to compare that to anything. Um, the, the child you're going to give birth to will be the son of God. He'll be an eternal king and he'll be the savior, the one who brings forgiveness for the sins of God's people. And in fact, his name will be God saves. So, Mary's pregnant. God is sending his son. God is sending an eternal king. God is sending a savior. And God himself is coming to us. That God isn't uh, creating someone to do his dirty work. That this king, who doesn't have to get his hands dirty, will roll up his sleeves and allow those hands to be pierced for our transgressions. And so, the news is massive in magnitude. Everything is changing, is what the message is, in terms of the relationship between God and his people. And so, we're to hear that news. We're to understand This is what Christmas is all about. It's what life is all about. It's what the entire history of the universe is pointing to, is this one birth of God as a human for the purpose of redemption. Um, Okay. That's the news. Let's, Let's track some responses. Okay, you with me? What, what do Mary's, Joseph's, and Herod's responses all have in common? Fear. All right, so I'm going to put that as suspicion and fear. Suspicion and fear. And I think... This is native to the human condition, to our fallen condition. That when we hear something, even if it sounds good, our first reaction is suspicion or fear. Did did you notice? I I enjoyed reading this. Um, This is uh, Luke 1, 28. Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Did you catch Mary's response? She was greatly troubled at the saying. Now wait, I would be greatly troubled by this giant light-emitting thing standing next to my bed. Okay? She's greatly troubled at the saying. And try to discern what sort of greeting this might be. When when I come home and I see my wife and I say, honey, you look beautiful today. You look beautiful today, by the way. All right? 
what's her first response? <laughs> what did you do? What do you want? Or what are you saying I looked like yesterday? <laughs> of course not. And this is just my house. It's not any of your houses, right? Um, but even on those days that I don't want anything from her, which aren't very many, but, you know, on those days when I compliment her, the first little twitch in her soul is probably, wait a minute, what do you want? What did you do? What did you buy? Were you at Club Humidor today? <laughs> Where am I going? Oh. You mean here? Okay. You know, it's kind of like if somebody, if somebody came up to you and said, I have a wonderful opportunity for you. All right? If you ever hear your pastor say that to you, what does it mean? You're being voluntold. That's right. There's going to be something you're going to be doing as a volunteer. Um, you know, we greet most of life with suspicion and a little bit of fear, or maybe a lot depending on the situation. And it is interesting, you know, Mary's first response, um, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant before the angel appears to him. So that first little point of news, Mary is pregnant, he doesn't get that from a divine source. He finds that out the old-fashioned way. Right? Somebody tells him. And it's probably one of those, hey man, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but that, that fiance of yours, uh, she's pregnant. I know you've been out of town all month. Uh, this isn't looking good, man. And so, yes, Joseph's first response is suspicion. What's he afraid of? The shame, the embarrassment, right? Um, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, and so he devises a lovely little human plan, right? We're just going to do this quietly. It's going to be clean, quick, and quiet. Nobody's going to get upset. We're not going to drag this out. Uh, no extrapolated legal battles. We're just going to, you know do this quietly, and it says that he did that because he was a good man. He's not harboring, he's not you know, angry to the point that he wants to hurt her, but you do see a little bit of, well, what do you want to call that? We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but can you imagine his suspicion? When he goes to Mary, he's like, hey, what's up? Well, it was the Holy Spirit. Right. Okay. And then God appears, to, or the angel appears to Joseph and says, there's a plan. This is, something is going on here. And this, these, are the, these are the details. 
And Joseph kind of goes, oh, okay, all right. And he, he leaves this plan for uh, evading his embarrassment behind to his credit. Um, Herod, oh, oh, this, this dude, um, crazy as the day was long and quite a bit paranoid on top of that. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of doctors that get together every year and they pick an historical character who died in some weird way that's fairly well described by, by historians of the time. And they try to diagnose you know, what was wrong. And one year they picked Herod the Great. Um, they had their little conference. They, they read all the history reports of his symptoms, which I, I will not read to you. You'll be glad to know. Um, and they concluded that he, he died of a combination of things, uh, kidney failure, sort of a prolonged uh, battle with kidney disease, um, another disease that shall not be mentioned, and uh, gangrene. He had like an infection uh, of some kind. And, and you know, the, the people, who the historians of his court who would sit there and record the conversations of people would describe the weird things that Herod would get up and do in the middle of a conversation. And certain things that he did told these doctors that he had certain symptoms he was trying to alleviate. And they all came to this conclusion. The guy had ten wives over the course of his life. And the problem with that, of course, if you're a king, is this problem of ascendancy. Like after you're gone, who's going to get your job? And he had one wife who was his favorite wife, and so he decided he wanted her son to be the king when he was gone, so he started summarily executing his own children. All right? Uh, History varies on how many. um, He killed several of his wives. This is sort of the Henry VIII of antiquity. And did I mention he was crazy? He's paranoid. He's got some kind of massive power trip going on. And he's diseased. And so he eventually, he kills, I don't know, he kills a lot of people. And he eventually kills even his favorite wife because in his delusional mind, uh, she was starting to turn on him. And uh, so he has her executed. And then he calls together his court and he says, I want all, he's like, I'm going to die soon. I want you to arrest 70 leading, prominent, respected elders from the communities of Israel, and I want you to have them all in in jail. And on the day I die, kill them all. What? Do you know why? He didn't want anyone celebrating on the day of his death. Now, fortunately, the people who worked for him had enough sense to just round the guys up and then not pull the trigger on the day Herod died, and everyone celebrated. Uh, And uh, it was actually a very big party. It lasted for several days. Um, This guy takes the human fear-driven reaction to its absolute extreme. 
And th- there was a time when, when critics of Christianity would say, well, no ruler would order you know, babies killed. And then as more history comes out on, on the person of Herod and other things that he had done, but hey, he'd kill his own kids. What's one of mine? What does he care? Um, he was nuts. And, and sort of, I think, represents the worst of us in the sense, and I don't, I don't mean that he's something other than me. He's, he represents the worst of what's in me. Does that make sense? And, and when, I, when I respond poorly to my wife or to someone else, this is me. I'm the power monger, weird, sick, hateful Herod. And, okay, suspicion and fear drive us, I think, natively. That's the first level response for most of us most of the time when something unexpected comes up. Um, then we'll take a look at the uh, self-interest, self-preservation dynamic. Because this is another good one. We're all in this together, right? And uh, so Mary, do you notice the shift she has her initial reaction of, <laughs> what did he say? What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean I'm blessed? Okay. And the angel explains a little bit. Do you see where her mind goes next? It goes to logistics. All right. It goes to, well, How? How are you going to do this? So, so the suspicion and the fear are slightly abated. And, okay, here's where her mind did not go. The angel says uh, all these great theological things that we celebrate today, right? Um, you will conceive in your womb, bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great. will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. That's pretty powerful, right? And she doesn't say, well, wait, does that make him the second person of the Trinity? No. She says, how? How will this be? I'm not married. I don't get it. And you can almost see her uh, making this shift to the logistical question, how? She knows that whatever's coming from this point forward, it's going to be complicated. She's got to tell her parents. She's got to tell her relatives. She's got to tell Joseph. How? Explain to me how, because I'm not sure this is cool. I'm not sure I want this. This is going to be complicated. Um, Let's look at Joseph for a second. Um, He also (laughs) makes a massive shift to logistics out of a motive of uh, self-interest and self-preservation. What does he do? 
Mary's pregnant. Uh oh. He, uh, what do you call that thing under the pilot seat in an airplane when they punch out? The eject lever or whatever it is. Okay, and it just rockets him right out of the cockpit of the plane. Uh, Joseph reaches for that. It's like, I want out of here. Okay, self preservation. And so he goes into logistical mode. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to divorce her, but we're going to do it quiet. You can see him going, okay, this is really complicated. I better figure out a plan. How do I escape? And, you know, I wonder, I wonder what, you know, I wonder if, if something in Mary's response evokes something in you as a woman and I know something in, in Joseph's response evokes something from me as a man. I, I want out. I, I just get me out of here. I want to escape. And these are not our best responses. Uh, we've already talked about crazy man. Um, but he too... He, too, shifts to logistics at this point. All right? Get king in Bethlehem. We're going to kill them all. Let God sort them out. Right? So the 101st Airborne is called in for this job. It's a baby, Herod. It's a baby. Dude, chill. All right? But he goes to logistical hyperdrive, and he's going to solve the problem. And he's going to solve the problem at any expense other than his self-interested expense, right? And I think we all are here at some point when we are faced with the unexpected. We begin with that suspicion and fear and it leads us to make the logistical switch and be primarily concerned with our own self-interest and our own self-preservation and what I hope we can arrive at as God's people um, is this thing we see in Mary and to some extent in Joseph that I would describe as surrender and obedience. <laughs> this 15-year-old girl kicks my butt spiritually right here. Uh, you know, it didn't take her very long to get from the fear through the self-preservation, and to this point. It takes me a lot longer. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Dang. So yeah, Mary, you were right. It's going to be complicated. There's going to be shame. There's going to be accusation. There's going to be confusion. 
you could be abandoned by your fiance uh, and and be a widow before you were ever married, essentially. And she says, may it be unto me as it is in your word. Wow. Um, this type of surrender and obedience is possible only through God's word. As his word drills down through these layers of fear and insecurity and self-preservation and gets to the core of who we are, we look up and see that we have a God who's not concerned with his own self-preservation, who laid down his kingdom to give us an eternal inheritance. And this yielding that he calls forth from us only comes through his word. When we, when we read it, when we engage it, when we let it soak into who we are and change us. And this is exactly what happened to Mary. It was the word of God through the angel Gabriel that brought her from that place of anxiety and self-preservation to that place of surrender and grace. And Joseph, too, we should say, we don't get his beautiful articulation of this, um, but we do get the fact that he stuck it out. He pushed through. Uh, He didn't proceed with plan A. He submitted to God's will for his life at whatever expense at which that might have come. This kind of surrender and obedience is possible only through God's word. And though this is in some ways theologically redundant, it's possible only through God's son, who is, of course, the living word of God. That he came in such stark contrast to the king of the Jewish people at the time. What a difference. What a massive shift. A king who would say, I can face that fear. And I can lay down my self-preservation and go to this cross because I love my people. And through him, we see that the angels, as they spoke, to Mary and Joseph, they revealed something. That there was only one way that our hearts could be redeemed. That humans' sin could be atoned for. It had to be a human. But it had to be one who was infinite, divine, holy, and righteous. It had to be God. And so, somehow, God weaves this plan together where he himself will be born of Mary, fully human, fully God, and live and grow and love and offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins.
It is to that king we are called to surrender and obey, to submit ourselves to his word, his will, his love, his plan. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word, for the way in which it penetrates our souls and opens us and changes us. We are thankful for the love of your Son, whom you sent to be born of a virgin, that we might have hope and life eternal. Father, may his birth, uh, as unexpected as it was, come to be at the center of who we are and how we live, that we would come to know you through your Son as he lives and reigns in our hearts. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.